Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Kellis, episode 550. It's Friday, 12-15, the year of our Lord, 2023. Today, we're going to be talking about freedom, hence the title for Freedom Friday. (laughs) And let me remind you, the biggest way that you can help me make a difference, continue to grow this show and be heard is to like, share, and subscribe to this program. Every subscription helps. Every follow helps. Every share particularly helps. I don't ask for much, but I will ask for that. Uh, I know my four listeners are getting, they're, they're doing their due diligence. We'll put it that way. They're doing their work. I need your help. Let's continue to do this. And if you're feeling particularly motivated or excited by anything I've said here recently, do me a solid rate and review this program. Either one, again, huge help. And just as a reminder, I'm on the social medias. I have a page and I have a group over at Facebook. I visit over at Gab. I visit over at MeWe. And yes, my material, the show is still available on YouTube as of this recording. All right. For Freedom Friday, okay, so I have got a few things that just need to be touched on. It's Friday. I want to be respectful of your time, give you a little something to ponder over the weekend, and deal with some of the seemingly contradictions for those of us that talk about freedom and protecting liberty. All right, item number one, that's right, casinos or small businesses. See, in the state of Texas, Gambling isn't really legal. Certainly, there aren't any casinos. Now, there's some gaming. There's some lottery stuff. There's a dog park. I mean, they have some minor things that they allow. But, hey, don't worry. You grease the right hands. And suddenly, we get a chance to look at how can we add more gambling. And they're going to use the excuse or the argument, well, it's more liberty. You should be happy. It's, it's, It's for everybody to choose. Okay, yeah, you know what? I get that. As the most uh, liberty-orientated person I know, well, personally, I should say, I I get it. I can make that argument too. But you're overlooking the negative externalities. You're looking, overlooking the problems that are associated with this. Now, yes, it's not 1960s anymore. A lot of this stuff has changed. But what hasn't changed is bad things happen around these kinds of establishments. We already have a huge problem with human trafficking. I can't see how this is going to help or alleviate the problem that we already have by, I don't know, inviting more folks in that have already one vice. What's to say they don't have several more. But again, my issue isn't necessarily the fact that they want to open up casinos, though I have many doubts about that. What I am very concerned about is they're going to throw around this term. Well, that's, that's more liberty. You get to express your freedom. You know, certainly you should be free to gamble if you want to. Yeah, okay, that's fine. That's a good excuse. But what about all those people that own small businesses? What, are, what about all those people that want to start a business? You know, why doesn't Texas look at, I don't know, lessening the burden on them, staying out of their way, allowing those people to innovate and do different things? And quite frankly, just make it. To, to do better than just getting by, to create a new business, a new career. Why is it that we make it so difficult and throw up so many roadblocks for that, but yet, hey, we're all bending over backwards so that we can get the uh, <laughs> the investment from the 
uh, casinos to come in town here. I, again, the argument should be is if somebody's wanting to start a small business, we should be paving the way, allowing them the next best business or the next great growing company might very well start out of quote unquote somebody's garage. So why aren't we encouraging that? Why aren't we fulfilling the desire and need of many people to do that instead of this? I mean, some might think it has something to do with payola and they're just using our own terms against us, but, but who am I? right? Again, you decide, you go look into this for yourself. Why is it so difficult to do all these things to do, to start a business or or, or to build a business or to, I don't know, do certain things within a building that you may or may not own or rent, but Hey, don't worry. If you throw enough money at the problem, you get whatever you want, including potentially destroying a city that you move into. Uh, But I'm sure there's nothing to see here, folks. There's nothing to be aware of. There's nothing to be worried about. It's all going to be good because, hey, our state reps told us it would be. <laughs> all right. Item number two, the the conundrum of good cop versus bad cop. Now, I've, I visit on this a time or two, and I don't want to belabor the point, but one of the refrains I get, and I believe it, but one of the refrains I get is nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop. And and I and I believe that the rank and file probably feel that way. Now their definition of a bad cop would be different from you or I. They, their definition or their threshold of making the de- definition of a bad cop is entirely different. But let me ask you, and just to be perfectly honest, I've already talked about this multiple times. I don't think bad electioneering makes you a bad cop. Just to be clear, I don't think a misdemeanor makes you a bad cop that people <laughs> allegedly uh, have three felonies a day. So just depending on how they want to apply it or who they're going to go after. I mean, everybody's a criminal. You make enough laws, everybody's a criminal. So I'm not willing, I'm not willing to say that, but what I am willing to look at is <clears throat> what do you do? When you have people that are in law enforcement that are a problem, that they abuse their power, that they they get excessively violent when dealing with people, that, that they just do shady things, who calls them out on that? Whose job is it? Who holds them accountable? You would think that their brethren would want to do that, but... I mean, I, I know some, and they tell me that they hate it and they don't like it, but I don't really see that they're policing their own as much as they want to police us. And I don't know that that's necessarily a problem here locally, or if it's just a perception, or if it's something that we see because they put these things on YouTube and they kind of alter what we think reality is. But I would sure like to see, I mean, they spend a lot of time lobbying for different things that they want, and I have no issue with that, but I would like to see them tighten up their own rules. I I would like for them to be more public about how they're going to police their own. And this is not, and and again, I've already clarified this. I don't think this has anything to do with what my local situation is here. I'm just, you know, I see these things, things that get brought to my attention. And the, the best example I can come up with is what happened with the, uh, the theft of the very expensive, uh, coins out in California. And a court said, well, because nobody told the police that it was illegal to, to not return evidence, I, AKA steal that evidence, potential evidence, 
because it really wasn't evidence, because nobody told them it was illegal to steal it, you cannot sue. Really? Huh? What? These guys are there to, quote, protect and serve and to know right from wrong, but they needed to be educated that stealing is wrong? I mean, and in my mind, that's the definition of a bad cop or somebody that's abusing their power. Another example that I heard brought up was, you know, you serve the warrant on the wrong house and somebody defends their house and somebody dies and that person's the lifelong criminal and a cop killer when there was a no-knock warrant. I mean, surely we've talked about the no-knock warrants in the past. Does not anybody realize that this puts everybody in danger? I mean, we hear all the time about police officer safety and that is a real concern. But how do we solve this? What do we do differently? Might I say that if we would just take a step back, if we'd maybe be a little less actively enforcing and be proactive in doing things above board, we could solve a lot of these problems. The, the reason why there are entire segments of society that don't trust the police might in fact have something to do with the way that the police don't trust us. It's a two-way street. I'm not saying that they don't have a justified reason to not trust us, but then they have to also be willing to realize that maybe we have justified reasons why there's some distrust there. It's a two-way street. I'm suggesting maybe we need to sit down. Maybe we need to look at how can we work together to get a better outcome. And some of that means perhaps we should consider being a little more transparent about how they're going to police their own. And we, the people, we need to accept that sometimes things happen and they're not necessarily motivated by animosity. They're not necessarily motivated because somebody's a bad person. We shouldn't seek to ruin somebody's life because they made a mistake. Hmm. Where have we heard that before? Oh, that's right. I've said it a time or two. All right. Next item. Next item. Uh, You might have heard, maybe you haven't, that the NDAA, right? National Defense uh, Authorization Act. They have yet. (laughs) They have yet to fix that. It really should just be called the the spy on me bill, right? It's all about how can they not have to get warrants? How how can they avoid having any restriction on what they do and what they look at? The entire world has become a panopticon under the leadership of our current government. They want to be able to see everything that we do, yet when we see what they do, there are no consequences. There is completely no justice. The the triple-tiered justice system is a joke, and they want to be able to exploit and abuse we the people, and they see us as criminals. They see us as the enemy. They see us as the problem. What I'm suggesting to you is they're going to find the evidence. They're going to find the law that you broke, and they're going to destroy you. Meanwhile, all the people in leadership that are obviously criminals, nothing has happened to them. We sit here and watch what they get away with on a daily basis. There is no consequences for them. However, oh, well, you didn't dot your eye here or cross your T here. We need to destroy you. Oh, and by the way, we invaded your house. We're going to go ahead and civil asset forfeiture this because, you know, well, your house is guilty of something, whether or not you are. It's funny how that works. And one of these days, we'll go back and revisit the whole topic of civil asset forfeiture. 
and how that came about and what it means. In the meantime, perhaps you can go check out what Chris Ann Hall has had to say about that. Yeah, the Chris Ann Hall show, she talks about that. She's far more versed on that as this is her her bread and butter as a, a constitutional attorney. But I, I'm just looking at things on the grand scheme of things. How is this protecting fr- freedom? How is this enforcing liberty, right? I mean, who gains? Certainly not you and I. Why do they feel the need to spy on all of us? Why do they feel the need to invade your privacy? Why do they feel the need to abrogate or <laughs> destroy what's left of the constitutional restraints and as listed in the Bill of Rights? Why do they feel like they should have this authority? I mean, I know they're going to say that it's a, it's a, uh, exercise due to the exigent <laughs> circumstances. Oh boy, that was a mouthful. Perhaps they're going to say it's an exercise of due diligence, right? They have to, they have to save us all. It, it's a crisis. Don't let any crisis go to waste. Hmm, where have we heard that before? Again, and it doesn't matter if there's an R or D after the name. Once they hit the DC, they're not your friend. They're there to maintain their power. And the best way they can do it is to subjugate all of us. And the way they do that, the easiest way is to just spy on us. To follow everything. I mean, I don't know about you, but I carry an iPhone. And I'm 99% certain that everything that I say and do within the vicinity of my iPhone gets tracked and followed. Now, granted, I'm pretty good about not doing stupid stuff. Granted, I avoid looking to create problems for myself other than my little show here. But the reality is there is nothing left that is sacred, that is protected, that these guys don't violate on a daily basis. And we sit here, we take it, we accept it, and we pretend that it's going to benefit us. Well, I'm sorry. I don't believe it anymore. I don't think you should believe it either. I think they're selling us a line of bull and they have zero intention of ever doing anything that benefits we, the people. And we need to quit pretending that it might or it will. Last issue. (laughs) Our government clearly can't be trusted. And the three items before, they're tied together because they explicitly demonstrate the different levels of justice, the different levels of application of freedom, the ability and the desire on those that seek to control us to violate our rights, to abuse their power, and to, quite frankly, ignore the constraints that were put upon them in the Constitution that we all say we believe in. What are you going to do about it? The government has shown they can't be trusted. The federal government is not your friend. Now, the sad thing is, is in Texas, my my lovely Texas, right? The promised land that we all talk about. We're not that much better. Because you'll note, at least the first two items were directly responsible for the Texas state government. And even if we would be successful in getting Texas independence, we still have to deal with these people in the clown world that they've created. And how do we best do that? Well, I would suggest that perhaps we politely suggest that they relocate to a state, perhaps on the coast, where they might be more cozy, where they might be more comfortable, where the people would greet them with open arms and their policies that destroy liberty and freedom. 
Now, I don't know how we can do that. And I don't know how we get from here to there. I work on that every day. If for no other reason than I think if you'll just open your mind to what's going on around you and you can see it for what it is, then perhaps you'll take the next step to get educated on how did this happen? What is happening? What could we do about it? What are our options? Now, whether you get that information from me or somebody that is, I don't know, a specialist in something that you're most concerned about, I don't care. I'm here to be your alarm, to wake you up, to, to point you in the right direction. I'm doing my part to defend liberty. I'm doing my part to encourage independence, both in the mind and in your soul. If you're not free internally, you can't be free externally. And if you should become unfree externally, as long as you remain free internally, you can still function. Now, I noticed there's a there's a movie coming out uh, on Bonhoeffer, right? If you don't know who Bonhoeffer is, I mean, that's everybody's favorite guy here for the last few years. And I'm not suggesting anything negative about the guy. But it talked about how the government had basically infiltrated both the seminaries and the pastoralship, the leadership of the church, and how they manipulated things. And if you think that's not happening now, you're mistaken. If you think that most of our churches and most of the organizationals or the parachurch organizations, including the seminaries, haven't been co-opted at this point, you haven't been paying attention. Even the Pope, <laughs> even the Pope. I mean, I wonder how this stuff happens. What it, It's like, what do they have on these people? Or is it just the money? I heard somebody make the comment that very often in today's world, pastors aren't necessarily called or chosen anymore. No, they're treating and running and trained to see their church as a business, something they need to grow, something they need to make money off of. Now, I don't have a problem with a church that makes money. I don't have a problem with a, with a church that's growing. What I do have a problem with is a church that would compromise, a church that would ignore. And again, this is part and parcel of how did our government get this way? How did we get to a point where we have a government that we can't trust? Well, I would suggest to you it's when good people quit paying attention. Good people doing nothing brought this about. And those good people were put into this position in part by being told by their churches to ignore it. Now, whose fault is that? It's everybody's fault. Everybody owns a piece of this. Everybody's responsible for where we are today. The bigger question is, what are you going to do about it? That's why I'm here, folks, to remind you we have options. We can do this. We can scrape back or fight back to get what is left and build upon that. They, they talk about the parallel economy. They talk about the parallel culture. This maybe feeds into that Boniface option that I've mentioned off and on. I read the book. I lent the book out. I don't have it. I can't really do an adequate review for it or on it. However, my promise to you is next Thursday, we will be talking at length about the Boniface option. Even if I've mentioned it before, even if I even reviewed it before, I'm going to revisit it because I am convinced right here, right now that we can't do what we want to do. We can't fight a losing battle. We have to take the offense. We have to take advantage of what we have. We need to start moving forward. 
And we got to quit pretending that if we just get along, the people that hate us won't still hate us. We need to quit pretending that there is anything that is on level for people that are actually good with killing pre-born children, with, with people that pretend that you can be a man and magically become a woman. There is no way that those two things are compa- compatible with what normal people believe. No matter what you've been programmed in the last 20 years through your government school or your government-controlled church, that's simply not real. When they say trust the science, these same people reject anything that is related to real science. I wonder how that happens. And yes, this is all directly related to the very things I talked about because it's all about reorganizing your priorities, reorganizing your understanding of what is what. It should be clear to you that we should be Encouraging and protecting small businesses, not favoring giant corporations that want to open up casinos. It should be clear to you that we want good cops. We like good cops. We want them to be involved in the community that they live in. We want for our privacy and our culture to be preserved and not destroyed by intrusive government trampling all over people on the justification that they might just save a life or whatever their latest excuse is. And we want to be able to trust our government. The problem is, is every time that we've done it, we've lost. They've lied to us. They've manipulated to us. They've misdirected us. They have worked so hard to get just enough trust to twist the knife just that much deeper every time they get a chance. And I'm here to tell you, we have to stop it. We have to quit going along with this. We have to take a step out in faith and just say no. And with that, this has been According to Callus. And I will see you on the other side.